Hey, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. We just hosted our second ever worship night on the Clemson campus, and it was amazing. You guys keep shocking us. Over 350 girls showed up. We had the sweetest night. Anna shared a talk on John 8, the story about a woman caught in adultery. It shows us so much about Jesus, and we wanted to share that here on the podcast. This is amazing. Um Wow, we're like blown away. Also, this is beautiful. I was not expecting like the water and the sunset. I live in Richmond, Virginia, so when we book a venue and they're like, do you want to come for a walkthrough? I'm like, no, it's a little bit of a hike for that, but this is amazing. So we're just so grateful to be here. Um, My name is Anna. I work for As You Are. And just to tell you a little bit about myself, I am currently living in Richmond, Virginia with my husband, Everett, and our dog, Tuck. And if you're around for setup today, Tuck is here. It's not, it was not part of the plan, but he came on a road trip with me, and he was our mascot today during setup, just walking around, being a little cutie. Um, but before living in Richmond, I lived in Athens, which was how I got plugged in with As You Are. And before living in Athens, I lived in Atlanta. We're going all the way back because the story that I'm going to tell y'all takes place in Atlanta. So after I graduated college, I grew up in Virginia. I said, it's time to shake the dust off this tiny town and go to the big city. So I moved to Atlanta. I knew not a soul, but I was like, I'm going to do it. This is going to be fun. Here we go. So I started working at a church called Passion in Atlanta, and I loved it. I was living my city girl life. I was like, this is so fun. If any of y'all are seniors and you're nervous about post-grad, it's so fun. College is so fun too, but post-grad is really fun. I feel like you don't get told that enough. You get told that college is the best four years of your life, and that they're really fun years of your life. But The rest of your life is really fun, too, okay? Like, we just need to get that out there. Let's start changing that narrative. So I was living in Atlanta, living my city girl single life. It was very fun. It was before I met Everett. And a couple of the girls that I had met at Passion, I became really, really close friends with. And we decided one night that it would be a good idea to go watch a meteor shower. And if you think about Atlanta slash any city, You can't really see the stars in the city. Like, it might not be something you think about, but if you step outside, like, maybe you see one or two stars, but the light pollution is so intense. So you and we decided, okay, we're going to drive far. We didn't know how far, so we decided, let's, let's Google darkest places in Georgia, and that's where we'll go. And it turned out there was a place called LJ, I had never heard of it before. It was about like an hour and a half, maybe two hours from Atlanta. And the reason we had decided to go on this particular night was because it was one of those things somebody had seen somewhere that this was like a meteor shower that only happens once every 200 years. And now I feel like I've come to find out those are like, they're very specific. It's like once every 200 years is a meteor shower of 175 meteors, but like 174 happens every month or something like that. So We didn't know that time we drove. We decided it would be a good idea to leave at midnight so we can really make sure it's dark by the time we get to LJ. So we pack up the car, grab our car snacks, hit the road, feeling juicy, feeling good. Didn't tell anybody where we were going because we didn't think about that. As we're driving, you know, we're getting farther down, farther down. Finally, we get to the place where I've, I had lost cell service like 
miles back because I had sprint and it just didn't sprint. Yeah, it just, we didn't have cell service. But my friends who had like AT&T or something actually reliable, isn't that their, kind of their slogan? Um, they still had cell service, but at this point it was gone. So the little like arrow on Google Maps was just spinning like around in circles and we're in the middle of nowhere. It's 2 a.m. at this point. We're on a dirt road. We've turned like up this hill and we're going and going and going. And we kind of come to, the, we're like in a forest. And we're like, we can't see the stars. Like, it's, a, it's dark, yes. It's very dark. Darkest place in Georgia, for sure, check. But, like, we can't see the stars. And then we see a car on the side of the road. And my friend Katie, who is very um, bold and has way more courage than I. I'm a scaredy cat. I, like, always think I'm going to die. I'm like, this is it. I'm gonna, this is going to be the end. She thinks, oh, we should just ask them. Let's just, like, pull over really quickly and, like, ask these people where the field is that we're looking for. I'm driving, but she's also very persuasive. So I was like, okay, sure. So we pull up to this white pickup truck, and it has one of those, like, dog crates in the back. At the time, I thought it was a cage. I was like, there's a cage in the back of their truck. We're going to die. Apparently, it's a dog thing. I don't know. I didn't grow up in the South, so like in Virginia, not many people drive around with the dog cages in the back of their truck. Now, I've seen more of them. It's less scary, but at the time, I was like, we're going to be in one of those by the end of the night. And we pull over. There's two men. Katie rolls down the window. She's like, hey, we're looking for this field because we want to go watch the stars. And they're like also very caught off guard because who like it's two in the morning. What are they? I think it's one of those moments too where they're kind of like, what are you doing out here? And we're like, what are you doing out here? And so they tell us, they're like, we're coon hunting. Like, <laughs> okay, do your thing. Fine by me. Just don't hunt me. And they're like, but there is a field. If you drive about a mile up the road on the left, there's a field. We're like, okay, great. Roll up the window on our merry way. And about a mile up the road, there was a field. And so we pull into the field. We get out our blankets and our snacks. And we, like, lay down. We're like, oh, we're going to watch the meteor shower. I think we probably see, like, maybe one or two meteors. And then I look, and I see these headlights coming up the road, and I was like, okay, it's probably just, they're like, I'm just going to drive by, but the headlights turn into the field, and I am looking and looking and looking, I'm like, that's the car, that's the truck, that's the guys that we were just talking to, so then, like I said, scaredy cat Anna, I'm like, we got to get out of here, we got to get out of here, come on, let's, so we start packing up our stuff, putting it in the car, but they got, they like pulled up next to us, and they're like, so we were lying to y'all earlier, we're not coon hunting. And again, I thought, yeah, you're young girl hunting. You're going to kill us. And we're going to be in the cages, just like I thought. This is it. This is the end. I start, like, trying to share my location with random people because I, I didn't, like, have find my friends. It wasn't really a thing at the time. I was just, like, the location sharing had just come out. So I'm, like, trying to send it but have no service. So the next morning, all these people are like, why did you share your location with me? Because like, I was going to die. And anyways, they end up telling us they're like hog hunting or something and that it's illegal. 
But they had gotten out of the truck, and they're, like, holding these knives. I mean, truly, y'all, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I was like, I, we're dead. We are dead. And this is not how I saw it going at all. I didn't see myself dying in the middle of Ella J, Georgia. Like, where even is that? And then they, they're like, you know, it's, like, really unsafe for y'all to be out here. Does anybody know where you are? And we were like, yeah, we're good. Like, we're going to get in the car. So we get in the car, they get in their car, everybody drives off, and obviously I live to see another day, my friends live to see another day, I have never seen those men again, and I tell you that because one, just don't, don't do that, don't drive, don't look, Google darkest place in South Carolina and drive there in the middle of the night and not tell anybody, go watch a meteor shower, watch it summer fun, this would probably be a great place to watch a meteor shower, there's tons of people probably in that hotel right there. But also because there's a story in the Bible where a woman sees her life flash before her eyes. Just like I saw my life flash before my eyes. And Jesus meets her in that moment and he saves her. And it's beautiful. And so we're going to dive into that tonight. It's in John chapter 8. And let me move some of my little props. Um, and open it up. And just to kind of set the scene for y'all. So it's John chapter 8, and we have Jesus. There's going to be several characters in this story, and if you were here last spring, you know I kind of like read part of the story, and then we stop, we digest it, we like get in the moment, and then we keep moving. So just to set the scene, we have Jesus, and he's going to be in the temple. And the temple in those days was like the most happening place. I don't know what it would be equivalent to for y'all, but like tons of people were there on a daily basis, so many, so many people. And not only were they, was he at the temple, but he was at the temple during one of the major Jewish holidays and one of their festivals called the Festival of the Booths. So there would be even more people at the temple than on a regular day. And he's there in the middle of this crowd, and he's about to teach them. So we're going to start just really right at the top of John chapter 8. It says, early in the morning... Jesus came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So we have Jesus, we have this crowd of people, he's going to sit down and teach them. On the drive over here, I was trying to think about what this would be equivalent to, because at this point in his ministry, people know who Jesus is, and they're really excited to hear what he has to say. And the only person that came to mind was Taylor Swift. Um, and I don't know if that's actually, like, a really good comparison, but imagine if Taylor Swift showed up on campus and she was about to, like, have a pop-up concert. Like, people would gather around. They would want to hear what she, I, I like Taylor Swift. I hope y'all do, too. They would want to hear her concert, and it's similar to Jesus. Like, even if you haven't heard of Taylor Swift, you would love to be able to say, I was at a pop-up concert when she played at Clemson, and so Jesus just sits down in the temple to teach these people. And so a huge crowd has gathered around them. And it says that the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and placed her in the middle. So now we still have Jesus, but we also have the scribes and the Pharisees. And they were the teachers of the law. They were like really strict rule followers and they hated Jesus. And it's mainly because the way that Jesus lived his life was not what they thought was okay. 
And so they're trying to trip him up in this moment. I think it's important for y'all to hear that. It's like, unfortunately, they really don't care about the woman. They're trying to trick Jesus, but Jesus doesn't let it happen. So we have the crowd, we have Jesus, we have the scribes and the Pharisees, and then we also have this woman. And we don't know a lot about her. We don't know her name. We don't know where she's from. We don't know if this was like a trap, honestly, that the Pharisees set, like convinced some man to sleep with her so that they could catch her and bring her into the temple. We don't know. But a lot of scholars do think that she was probably caught in the act of adultery right before and taken into the temple. So we can assume that she's standing there like maybe partially clothed, but definitely afraid. I want you all to put yourself in her shoes for a second. Imagine standing in the middle of a crowd of people that you might know and something that you are so ashamed of is out on display for everybody to see. And the reason she's so afraid is because of what the Pharisees say next. So they put her in the middle of the crowd, and they say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? So stoning was literally when somebody would take rocks and throw them at you until you died. That's gruesome and awful and obviously not something that we do today, but that was practiced in those days. And so the Pharisees have brought this woman to Jesus, and they put her in the middle of the crowd, and they say, she should be put to death. Imagine being the woman standing there, and you're so scared. Have you guys ever been caught doing something you're not supposed to do? Like, I don't know about y'all. When I was a freshman in high school, I had a really big crush on my brother's best friend, who hasn't. Um, his name was Asher, and he was at our house all the time. It was one of those friends that you're like, do you live here type of thing? And one day, I decided it would be a good idea if Asher and I, I don't know where my brother was at the time, but if we took the car and just started driving. My brother is only a year older than me, so they were sophomores in high school, and I was a freshman, and nobody had their license. But my parents weren't home, so I was like, this will be fun, like, let's go on a joyride. Definitely thinking, like, he's gonna like me after this, because I'm so cool and adventurous, but I'm not. We already learned that in the first story. Um, anyways, we get in the car, we're driving, I'm like, we're gonna fall in love, we're gonna get married, like, filling in all the blanks about to turn out of our street. And who comes around the corner in the other car? But my dad. And he saw us, and I saw him, and my stomach dropped. You know that feeling when you're like, oh, crap, crap, crap. This was, a, this was bad. This was such a bad idea. That stomach-dropping feeling. So imagine that, but like on steroids, because she's standing in front of the crowd of people caught in the act of adultery and being told, you're going to die. And I love what Jesus does. Because it tells us that Jesus bends down like this and writes with his finger on the ground. 
And what do y'all notice when I just did that? All eyes went from up here to down here, where I am. And we don't know what Jesus wrote. We don't know if he was drawing a picture. We don't know if he wrote, I love you. But what we do know is that in that moment, Jesus was giving this woman who's standing there, vulnerable, afraid. He gave her a moment of relief. He took all the eyes off of her and onto him. Because you better believe everybody in that crowd was wondering what Jesus was going to say. And so all the eyes that were casting shame and fear and doubt and criticizing this woman are now on Jesus. And as I was thinking about that over the last few days, I was thinking about what a beautiful picture of the gospel that is. Because when Jesus died on the cross for us, he took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our anxiety, and put it on himself. And y'all, he does that for us on a daily basis. All the voices in your head that want to tell you that you're not worth it, that just breed anxiety and lies and fear and condemnation, Jesus takes all those. He wants to take it all. He wants to take all those eyes and put them on himself. And it's because he loves you. Just like he loves this woman and wasn't going to let her stand there naked and afraid. Even just by him going down there, maybe she had a moment to cover herself up a little bit more. To gather herself. And it says... That as he stood up, he, they continue to ask him, what do you say? The, the Pharisees continue to pester him as he's down there. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? And he stands up and he says to them, let he who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bends down and writes on the ground. And I want to shift our gaze for a second from the woman to the Pharisees. Because maybe you're listening to this talk and you're thinking, well, I don't really, like, relate to the woman. Like, I've honestly been pretty good. I go to church on Sundays. I go to Bible study on Wednesdays. Like, I've always pretty much followed the rules my whole life. Like, I can't really relate to that woman. And that's fine. But maybe you relate more to the Pharisees. And maybe you find yourself thinking, well, at least I'm not her. Because ultimately what Jesus is saying to them here is you don't get to judge. You don't get to point fingers at the girl across the hall and say, Whew, she's a mess. We don't get to do that. Because the reality is we have all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that. We have all sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. Your parents have sinned. Everybody has messed up. And it's not fair 
to point fingers at the girl across the hall. But the good news is that Jesus, I don't know if you caught this, but after he responds to the Pharisees, what does he do? He bends down on the ground again, and he starts riding in the sand. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm ever in an argument with somebody, after I, like, give a killer comeback, I don't bend down and start riding in the sand. I stand there with my hands on my hips like, "Mm mm-hmm, what you got to say now? But that's not what Jesus does because he loves the Pharisees, and he wants to give them a moment of relief as well because all eyes, once again, go to him. And the crowd's not looking around at the Pharisees thinking, ooh, you just got burned going to the principal's office. No. The eyes are on Jesus. Because people want to know, what's he writing? What's he going to do next? And I believe that in that moment, Jesus, just like he did for the woman, is giving the Pharisees a moment of relief because he loves them. He loves the people that are trying to catch him in a trap that are trying to eventually put him to death. He loves them just like he loves you and just like he loves me. And it says that when the Pharisees heard this, so when they heard Jesus say, let he who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. I like that it says the older ones went away first. They're probably wiser. But put yourself back in the woman's shoes for a second. Imagine you're standing there. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. You're standing there. And you hear Jesus say, let he who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. And you're thinking to yourself, is he like ordering how they're going to do this? Imagine how scary that would be. But instead, maybe you start bracing yourselves for the rocks. But instead of them flying at you and hitting you, you hear this. And the rocks start falling down around you, but not at you. Because when we live a life with Jesus, the rocks can't hit us. The condemnation and the shame that people want to throw at us, we're protected by that because of Jesus. Because Jesus wants to be in a relationship with us. He died for each one of us. He's saying, I will not let you die. I will not let your failures keep you from a life with me. I will protect you. I will take the fear and the anxiety away so that you can be in a relationship with me. And it says that Jesus stood up and said to the woman, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, leave your life of sin. 
And there's two voices in this story telling the woman what she's worth. There's the voice of the Pharisees that's telling her her life is not worth living anymore, that she should feel shame, that she should feel condemnation, that she should feel guilt. And then there's the voice of Jesus that's speaking life into her, that's giving her freedom, that's giving her so much grace and also truth. I don't want y'all to miss this. Jesus is the perfect mix of grace and truth. He says, neither do I condemn you. The one person who is without sin, who could throw the stone, doesn't condemn her. But then he tells her, go and from now on, leave your life of sin. Because he wants more for her than that. And more for us than that. He's not saying, like, it's totally fine. Just, like, it's fine. Go on. It's all good. Because he cares about her. And he knows that the life that she's living is not a life that leads to life. It's a life that leads to death and more fear and more anxiety. And so he's saying, neither do I condemn you. But don't keep doing what you're doing. I know that it's hurting you, and I know that it's hurting the people around you, and I love you, and I want more for you than that. And so, guys, if you hear nothing else tonight, I want you to hear this. Whether you see yourself as a Pharisee or the woman caught in adultery or neither, somewhere in between, I don't know. I think we're all probably somewhere in between and a little bit of both. Jesus is standing here tonight, and he's saying, I love you. I'm here for you. I want to be in a relationship with you. And, like, full disclosure, I know that that can ebb and flow. I started a relationship with Jesus when I was, like, in middle school. And this summer, I was like, man, it is, like, pulling teeth to want to spend time with the Lord. Like, and that, I don't know how long ago middle school was for me, a long time ago. But, like, I think it's important to share that with y'all because our relationships with Jesus, they ebb and flow, but he remains the same. And he's constant and he's steady. I love the song that we sang where it says, You stood by my side, you stand in my place, Jesus, no other name. Through each season of life, Jesus stands by our side. And he stands in our place of death and of condemnation. And because of that, we get to live in freedom. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the chance to just be together and um, to worship you. Thank you for each girl in this room. God, I just pray that she would know how loved she is, that she would know that you stand in her place. God, that you have taken on every stone that the world wants to throw at us. And you have protected us. And you say, come with me. I want to give you life and life to the full. And so, Lord, we just say that we love you and we trust you. And we give you each day. Amen. Amen.